Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of uh, the Blue Day Heat postgame show. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas, and I'm pleased to be joined by, I don't even know what to call this man's official title. He's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades in terms of basketball. Um, he does a little on the gambling side. He does a lot on the analytical side. He covers women's basketball, men's basketball. Um, but he is former Creighton Blue Jay Cole Huff. Huff. And I'm happy to have him on the show for the first time um, because I love tapping into his basketball mind and just talking hoops with him. Cole, my man, I appreciate you hopping on um, at this late hour and talking some Jays basketball with me. No, I appreciate you having me on. This is my first Creighton podcast. I mean, I know we do the scary and the scrub. Yeah. This is my first Creighton basketball uh, podcast. First time I get to talk about the Jays and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to be here. Jays, Jays fans, what's up? Yeah, I heard my right. voice in a minute. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a long time. It's been six years or, or five years, something like that. However many of you are in here listening, probably like I don't know, north of of 20k, because this is this is Matt Dumas. So you shot, really, you shot really high on that one. So just uh, yeah, what's up, everybody? Uh, good to. Uh, for you guys to hear my voice. It's been, it's been a while. Yep. Yeah, so last time uh, Jordan and I talked with Cole, we were doing an NBA playoffs weekly series. Um, so it has been a minute since we caught up. Uh, tonight, we're going to stay Jays-centric. Um, break down Creighton's Big East opener. Somewhat of a shocker, maybe in terms of um, you know, margin of victory for one uh, but Cole, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think I'm that sh- I, I just, I know I'm not that shocked. Cause I said, I wasn't going to be, I said, I was expecting a good game. And I thought a game that Creighton could win if they could be disciplined for a long, long enough stretches. So like, I'm not shocked that Creighton won this game. It's maybe the margin that's probably going to, you know, open people's eyes when they wake up tomorrow morning and see how that thing turned out. What, what were you expecting tonight? I wasn't expecting a 20 point win. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that on this podcast. Um, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't have been too surprised uh, with the Creighton win just because, you know, seems like ever since I left, I, I never beat Villanova, which right. sucks. Uh, but ever since I left every year, or maybe there's a year or, or two gap where Creighton hasn't beaten Villanova at a, Century Link or Shy Yeah, or, well, your last year was 2017, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, they're the, every. Um, let me see. They got swept in 1819, but they are four and four against Nova now since he okay. left. So yeah, it's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an even split. Yeah. They, they, yeah so it, it wasn't that surprising. They, I guess that's kind of a thing now. Whenever whenever Nova comes to, to Omaha, expect the L. Um, but yeah, I, I thought. They played a, a tremendous game, especially defensively. Um, I, I know that Villanova's offense has been down this year, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks really different than – I mean, I don't know if it's a talent thing uh, or a schematic thing, but it just looks really, really rough. And having big Cockburner in there to to not let all those guards post up near the basket and 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 do all that stuff near the rim, uh, it, really, it really stopped – the very little that that Villanova had going for them. They're not a great three-point shooting team. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they get hot sometimes, but 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really. Enough. I don't really think. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust their three point shooters like that, uh, especially in comparison to years past. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see uh, Creighton get a dub like that, especially on the heels of what happened with Arizona State. And I think that's a, a good win for a good young team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to be have you on tonight because I just want. It's going to allow me to tap into some bigger picture things with you in terms of what you see for this team. But also, I just love the way you dissect the game. So I'm excited from that perspective. So just to stay on Villanova for a minute before we uh, maybe tap into some big picture stuff, which I know people are going to ask us. So we'll get to questions a little bit later. But, you know, I think you touched on something that's really interesting about Villanova and the way they're built. And like, you know, I don't think they're like – I think they still belong like in that top 20 grouping. Like, I don't think there's 20 teams better than them this year. Like, I think they're still, you know, one of the elite teams in college basketball, but you're, you're right in terms of the way they make it happen this year, because who do you, like, I catch myself when I'm watching them and I've probably seen more of them than any big East team just by, you know, their games on, I'll just watch right. it. You know, like it's just, it, it was an accident that way, but I've seen enough of them to think, like, going into this game, how many, like, knockdown shooters do I trust on this squad? How many guys do I trust can – when 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 it gets into a tough moment, late shot clock, how many guys can, you know, they kick the ball out to and that guy can break down their man, whoever's guarding them right there, and get a high percentage look? And I just don't – I only trust Gillespie and Moore to do that. And I'm like – that's probably as few a number as Villanova's had in that category in a long time. So when you look at it from a matchup standpoint, it's like, all right, they really only have two shot creators, right? Like everybody else has to be in kind of spot up situations or those guys have to be able to create a defensive rotation that's so compromised that they can get open looks for them. Right. And then the other factor was Kaufbrenner when he's in the game, you can't – if you're not going to get him off his feet until you shoot and you can't get him in foul trouble and you can't get the free throw line, Villanova cannot score inside. So now they almost have to get hot from three to stay in the game, to put pressure on Creighton um, and, and, and win that way. And when you saw the game, like, unfold and you're like, all right, Kalkbrenner continues to exhibit a high basketball IQ with the, with the type of defense he plays, right? He doesn't leave his feet until it's time to t- contest the shot. Um, he's really good at moving his feet with smaller ball handlers. Like he doesn't get, he's not like a matchup guy, right? He can stay on the floor with any kind of lineup. And I think once I saw Villanova having a real tough time, um, you know, manipulating players inside the way they do and creating angles to score, I'm like, okay, so now they better get hot from three. Otherwise this one's going to tip in Creighton's favor once Creighton heats up a little bit. And I thought that's what happened. Yeah, and and just speaking on on Cockburner, the way he moves his feet, I I'm really impressed. I didn't expect the leap to be like that. I mean, he mm. was decent at it last year when he got his time, but he's been really really impressive this year. Um, he got I don't know if there there were switches today or just cross court matchups and transition where he ended up on like a Justin Moore, mm-hmm. and those guys have to settle for for long contested threes because he uses his length and he keeps himself at a distance to where he's not going to risk getting dribbled by. I think he's still quick enough to recover if he did get 
get driven by off, off the balance anyways, but he uses his arms to contest. And just pointing pointing back to Villanova, the two guys that you spotlighted, uh, Gillespie and Moore, I think they're also very opportunistic type of isolation shot creators, um, especially Moore. Um, you know, they're, they're not the type of guy that they're going to mix you off the dribble and take a step back or get really creative in, in certain ways. Like a lot of Moore's possessions end up in the post because mm-hmm. he tries to dribble by you. He can't. He, he doesn't do any crosses or anything like that. So he plays that booty ball, right? Yeah, booty ball, bully, bully ball. But if Kalkbrenner is in there, especially, you know, in the college game, there's no defensive three in the key. If there's always someone down there to to make that that shot difficult, then he's going to struggle to score too. And I think that's what what happened tonight. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think Villanova has too many more offensive performances like this. Um, but yeah. but I think this is a credit to you know the game plan that that Coach McDermott and the guys uh, scripted up, and they paid attention to details. They didn't bite on a bunch of uh, shot fakes. Um, seemed like the only time Villanova really got anything in the paint was when Cockburner was sub out. Mm-hmm. So hats off, hats off to to the coaching staff, to the players for for getting the job done. Yeah, just uh, like on that note, because I think you know it's a lot easier to say. It's probably it is just easier said than done. It's easy to say how you need to beat Villanova. It's just harder to do, right? Because they challenge you to be fundamentally sound for forty minutes, and it's just you know there's just not a lot of teams that can pull off that level of discipline for that long of time, and they capitalize on enough of those mistakes while also scoring. You know, with their while also their talent takes over in some regard too. To demoralize you when you do put together a good defensive possession. Um, I think there was an instance of that too, like where Villanova scored late shot clock that, you know, or, or Creighton defended well for 25 seconds, gave up an offensive rebound and kick out mm-hmm. three, you know, like there were, there were moments like that. Villanova feasts on that stuff, right? They demoralize you with that. But it's just like, I wonder if you can explain how difficult it is to be that disciplined for 40 minutes defensively, you know, where you're, where you're staying down on shot face, where you're staying in front of the ball on pass face, where you're not compromising your defense with just by falling for the, the falling for the stuff that they just do in their sleep. You know what I mean? It's really hard. Um, it's even harder when the talent out there uh, on Villanova's team is capitalizing on that. So, you know, when I was playing against Villanova, they had Chris Jenkins, they had Josh Hart, Josh they had Brunson. Hart, yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, okay, I stay down on shot fake one, shot fake two, but then he shoots it and he scores. So the next time you go run out, okay, he just hit one, he just hit two. Now you're more likely to, to bite on the putt fake or what? what stay a little bit closer and, and help defense. So, you know, as the game unfolds, you know, the things that are happening on the court kind of overtakes the game plan a little bit, Yeah, which, sure. shouldn't, which shouldn't always be the case. And the coaches get on you for that. Um, but it's really hard to do. Like if, if you're supposed to be in a gap um, and, you know, the ball gets zipped to your guy and he hits two or three threes, you know, you're going to close out hard next time, even though he's a non-shooter because mm-hmm. he's hot. Mm-hmm. And then that opens up the dribble drive and they might get a lob off of overhelp. They might swing, swing to another, another person spotted up. So it, it yeah, kind of has what a was it like the fr- Remember the first, remember when you guys played them your senior year, right? 2016, 2017 mm-hmm. that year, like you guys got off to a really hot start. And, you know, the crowd was at a fever pitch and you guys mm-hmm. were flowing 
And then like Jalen Brunson, who probably was, you know, maybe three or four on the scouting report with that roster. Like he just started banging in threes to get Villanova settled down. And that's like, okay, that's not really what he does. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's kind of goes what you're saying there. Yes. It's, it's tough. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. Like I know at Creighton when, when I was there, we have certain type of defenses. One, uh, one was called the Rondo defense where you close out short to a non-shooter. Yeah. But like, what are you supposed to do when, when they start hitting shots? Like I, I, I feel yeah. like I'm saying the same thing over and over and you just kind of react to what's going on in the game. But it's, yeah, to your point, it's very difficult to, you know, stay 100% committed to the game plan um, in the heat of the moment, especially maybe you're a little fatigued out there and you're a step late um, and you're out of position, just things like that. It all adds up, man. Uh, fortunately, Creighton didn't have too much of that. I know it, it got them a few times at the end of the shot clock and whatnot. And, you know, some of the freshmen might have made some freshman mistakes out there guarding the ball, but uh, Villanova didn't capitalize much and Creighton, I think they executed very well. Yeah, one of the freshmen who really impressed me tonight was Trey Alexander. And, and I mean, and Creighton switched quite a bit tonight. Um, you know, I think they liked that their versatility defensively to continue to do that, especially now that they've um, they have more confidence in Kalkbrenner's ability to, you know, stay in front of the ball when a guard is when he switched onto a guard, as opposed to uh, maybe earlier in the season when you know Arkansas Pine Bluff hurt them with different type of matchups and. Uh, maybe that was a little bit of a concern or maybe an unknown for them. But, you know, I thought Trey Alexander and I got switched on to like, you know, Colin Gillespie, uh, Justin Moore, which is obviously more of a natural position to guard for him. Jermaine Samuels, uh, Brandon Slater, who can play bully ball. Like, I just thought he never flinched. You know, he just he stayed down on all that nonsense and, you know, kept that like kept tracing the ball, kept a hot hand in their face, you know, like made just took away that extra space that Villanova exploits if you give it to him. And I just thought he was really disruptive defensively. I don't know. I've got to go back and watch and see what Villanova actually, you know, shot against him. But I feel like every time, you know, he was on the ball, whether they scored or not, it was not easy. Yeah, I, I thought he got the job done on both sides of the ball, honestly. Um, he got sped up a little bit like in transition um, mm-hmm. on, on the offensive end. I think there was a charge or a block charge. I don't know. A little controversial yeah, like call. Half, yeah. yeah, but, you know, outside of that, I thought he took all the shots that were there for him. Um, you're not going to make all your all your threes, but he took the ones that were given to him. He played within the offense. Um, and then to speak to your point defensively, I thought he was really good at, at staying disciplined. He, he slid his feet. Uh, he wasn't biting on fakes. And, you know, playing against the Wildcats, that's, that's rule number one. Mm-hmm. give them those those opportunities to capitalize and that's that's really impressive in a, in a game like this of this magnitude um on this stage with that crowd like it's easy for a freshman to get rattled and to get sped up um and he didn't and I, I thought that's that was perfect yeah i mean i mean he made some tough buckets too like talk i mean we talk about the toughness that it takes for him to guard the guys he did tonight but you know i think you know he had a couple where you know just drive, spin, raise up, floater game type of plays where he scored over Jermaine Samuels, scored over Justin Moore. I mean, he had the one in the second half where Villanova had cut it to two. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think they caught Ryan Kalkbender on a little slip 
to the rim. I think Roddy found him. It was fun. it's actually funny because I think Ryan Hawkins was streaming it before it was happening. Like he saw them what was going on at the mesh point at the point of attack, and saw that Villanova didn't have help inside. So Roddy slipped it to Kalkbrenner for an easy dunk. But um, Charles in on the next play took Brandon Slater inside, went into his chest because Slater is really long, right, and is is really disruptive with that length. So that's disadvantaged Trey there, but he went into his what do you what's the rule with shot blockers? Like you go into their chest, take away that space, mm-hmm. and then you know, just you find the window to get the shot up. And he finished really that's a really strong, aggressive, but like veteran type of finish against a shot blocker like that. Like I just thought for for someone who's in game eleven of their college basketball career, that's like that's a level of poise that shows you what his potential is, right? Yeah, he's he's really good. I don't know exactly what his his ceiling is or or how good he's going to be, but I feel like he reminds me a lot. Speaking of Villanova, uh, of like a Josh Hart type of player, where he can just do a little bit of everything. Mm. Obviously, he's not a finished product. He's still a freshman. He's not where Josh Hart was, but just being able to to defend, have that size, that length smart on offense and, and mix it up a little bit obviously uh the strength isn't all the way there yet but the fact that he went into shot blocker took him to the post like he, he seems like he's going to be able to develop and give you a little bit of everything from that one position without having to be too flashy what did you see from ryan hawkins tonight what did you like about his performance playing more of your, your like position him. so like you can there are there some things you see in in how he uh, exploits teams that you were able to do in your college career he probably does it better than me. He he doesn't really have a conf, uh, a conscious out there. He's really confident. Um, that's why he mixes it up. He doesn't only shoot threes. He'll he'll get to to the post and play a little bit of bully ball. He'll eliminate the shot blocker by going straight into the chest. Um, he does a great job of mixing it up. I think that he would have been perfect on like on the teams that I played for, especially mm-hmm. with how he shoots the ball. Um, but being that he's one of, I mean, him McConnell. Uh, Nemhart here and there, like one of the only the, the few three point shooters on the team. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's so so important, especially at the the position he plays. He offers a little bit more lineup versatility. Like he could slide over to the five sometimes if they if they want to play small and have that that defender have the space to court with him. Mm-hmm. He just opens up a lot more uh, because of his size. He he eliminates you know what the what the opposing defenses want to do. I was really, really curious how that matchup was going to go between him and Jermaine Samuels, right? Like, it's probably one of the toughest matchups he's had since coming to Creighton, I think. You know, just – I mean, Samuels is one of those guys who you don't ever – I don't know if you think about him a ton until he just whips you with a 20-piece, you know what I mean? Like He has a a motor, too. Yeah, he plays so hard. He's so Mm -hmm. strong. He plays low. He uses leverage. Um, He's just like the quintessential Villanova – you know, tweener guy, right? Like mm-hmm. to play multiple positions up from two to four, basically for them. Um, I was, I was surprised to some extent how one-sided that matchup looked like I thought it was going to be a battle all night. And once Hawkins got, you know, got that first three or two to fall, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was much of a, contest between those two at all like I thought they, they didn't know how to defend him yeah I don't know how many how many forwards they played on their schedule that are like uh are like Ryan but I don't know if 
that threw them off or maybe it was something else in the game plan that allowed for trying to get those open corner threes or, or whatever it was. Maybe he was, he was relocating and, and he seems like a pretty smart guy. Like mm-hmm. you said, he was calling out plays before they happened and stuff. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was making some adjustments on the fly, but they, they had a tough time with him and that's, I don't know. That, that's not, that's not necessarily a, a, a good thing for Villanova. who's a, a number nine ranked team having to struggle against the, a relatively young Creighton, Creighton yeah. team, albeit on the road. Um, I know Ryan is a fifth or sixth <clears> year senior, uh, so that makes it different as well. But uh, yeah, I thought he was awesome. Uh, he rose to the occasion, accepted the challenge, outplayed Samuels, outplayed just about everybody on on Villanova, honestly. So, um, but that, that was good to see. Hopefully, uh, I mean, not that he was struggling or anything before, but coming off the Arizona State game where he didn't shoot it well, um, it, was, it was a good bounce back game for him. And, you know, hopefully he keeps the ball rolling. For sure. I think, yeah, um, I don't know if we're unbalancing the Villanova versus Creighton analysis in this one, but there is something I want to ask you because I think, you know, Jordan and I talked about it in our Big East weekend review on Sunday. And then I'm kind of curious, like, because I've thrown it at the wall and I'm curious to see how, like, credible it is or not. Like, what you think. I just think Villanova's more of a, I don't know. I know there was a lot of expectations on this group because they brought back a lot of experience from last year, right? And you just automatically assume that's that's going to. And they have um, Jay Wright. So, yeah, yeah, right. The Jay Wright factor is always there. Absolutely. But losing Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I think, is a huge loss for them, especially if they're not going to play any of these young guys. Like, that's normally Villanova's MO is like, you know, freshman redshirt without actually redshirting. They don't play very much, right? Because they just got to get, you know, integrated into the system, the Villanova system. And then they, mm-hmm. then, then, you know, once they're sophomores, juniors, and seniors, then here come the, the next yeah. line of, you know, guys who just play Villanova basketball, right? Um, so they're 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 not deep. They don't have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who had versatility with a, you know, he could he could play inside and out, right? And he obviously could defend multiple positions for them, especially like a Ryan Hawkins. Like the way you know what I mean. The way Ryan was eating up Jermaine Samuels, that's an easy switch for Villanova to make in the past. They just stick mm-hmm. Robinson Earl on him, and that changes the game, right? Um, but I mean, I just feel like they're more of a high floor team than a high ceiling team this year. Like, I don't think they're going to lose to any like, you know, low end bottom feeding type teams, but I don't know if they're capable of beating the elite of the elite and, you know, winning a national championship type of team this year. Is that I mean, fair or foul? Like, I think that's fair. It's it's played out that way so far in their, their preseason schedule. I mean, UCLA, uh, was, was Baylor in there? Baylor whipped them just the other day. Baylor. Uh, Purdue beat them late. And then I think they their best win, you can, I guess, you know, however you look at Syracuse, I don't think Syracuse is very good. Right. But they, they whipped Tennessee pretty good, and Tennessee's had a pretty good year. So that's probably their best win so far. But, yeah, other than that, they've they've lost to the three best teams they've played so far. Right. But but I think your, your analysis is spot on where, you know, they have – they brought back so many guys – uh, experienced guys from from last year. They have the coach, they have the brand. This is their Villanova. Mm-hmm. You know they've they've won two national championships in whatever the past five six years or so. Mm-hmm. So it's like you almost expect okay they're gonna be a certain way because of X Y and Z. Mm-hmm. But 
their offense is, is really concerning. I mean, yeah, I can you yeah, can you dive into that a little bit? Because you were texting me throughout the game that you just did not you were not liking this offense right here. Yeah, so what, what what big picture looks concerning to you for them? They're so I, I feel like they're so dependent on the three, but they're not a three-point shooting team, you know, like that's the only way they can get a lot of points. Like, okay, we saw in the UCLA game, they were able to get up to the eighties or seventies, whatever it ended up being solely because they got some threes to go in. But like the process of that game was a lot, was was very similar to what we saw tonight. Just nothing in the half court guards, eventually just going to back you down, back you down, grind it out game like that. And, you know, if they have them, if they have them going, if there's no cock burner in there, they're going to get two every here and there. Those eventually add up to get you into like the sixties or so, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to win many games that way. Um, they, I don't know. I don't know if there's plays that they run. It doesn't seem like they do a whole lot in, in the half court set. Maybe there's some type of motion offense or something that they get into. Uh, they seem a lot more like a the transition team that needs to, to score that way. And then when their Samuels and their uh, more more and uh, Gillespie, when they're able to make threes, it looks a little bit better. But when they're not. I don't mm-hmm. think they have they don't have all that much. And at that point, you're putting a lot of pressure on your defense to hold other teams to 65, 70 points or whatever it is, so you can win games. And yeah. that's tough to do in, in this modern style of, of college basketball, I guess, where people right. are running up and down. There's crazy athletes shooting a ton of threes. Like it's hard to keep guys under 70 points. Agreed. So, like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the fix is for their offense. It could be as simple as just making shots, but uh, I think that's their biggest concern. Yeah. And just to like accentuate the point a little bit, there's like, you look at, I mean, the, the Chris Archie Diacono played that's Ryan's little brother, by the way, in case you're mm-hmm. hallucinating a little bit, like what, there's another <laughs> one. Yeah. There's another one. Uh, he played eight minutes plus, you know, just under nine, didn't take any shots. Didn't really, didn't really do anything that affected the stat sheet at all. Demir Cosby Roundtree, who has come back from the injury to, I mean, he's available for them now, but he doesn't really play all that much. He played four minutes, um, just, you know, some, some to give their five a breather. Uh, Brian Antoine, who's been injured basically his whole career, uh, has, you know, has a lot of, was a really talented kid coming out of high school. He played seven minutes, didn't do anything. The only shots they took off the bench, uh, we're really from Caleb Daniels, and that's really all they have. They bring Caleb three Daniels eight, off the yeah. yeah, three of eight, 0 for 2 from 3. But other than that, it was all from their starters. And like you said, you can really isolate the the three main guys, Samuels, um, Gillespie, and more in terms of their shot creators, right? The guys that you that they lean on. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a there's a there's a big picture component to this for Villanova that's a little bit troubling, right? In terms of like how they generate offense when they face teams that understand that know their tendencies and can scout them and prepare for them and defend them like they're going to in the next 19 games. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm looking at their roster right now on the, on the box score and I'm, I'm trying to, to figure out who can be that guy. I know it's Gillespie cause he's been there for a while and he kind of has seniority to, to get in his bag a little bit and take a bunch of shots, but like mm-hmm. where, where is the Ryan Archidiakno? Where is the, like a, a Miles, or excuse me, a Mikel Bridges. Right. Where are those guys that 
have a little bit of juice on offense. I can kind of pick it up when things aren't going well. Um, I guess it's Jalen Moore. Um, Justin, but his style, his yeah, excuse me, his his style of play is a is a little bit different, and he's a six four, like almost like a, a post player in my opinion. Yeah, um, he didn't make any threes tonight. So it's just, I don't know, a little bit of a a, a weird thing that they have going on with their roster. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I mean, one alarming thing for them tonight is that Eric Dixon took more shots than Justin Moore. I did not think. I was going to see a box score like that. I mean, that's kind of like a credit to Creighton because Eric Dixon was the guy they were giving space and daring to shoot tonight, right? So, he was the only one. I mean, yeah, he was so, the only one kind of making shots for a while. Yeah, he right. Went, he went kind of cold at the end, but he hit mm-hmm. those two threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a little bit more aggressive when uh, when uh, Kogmarner left the game. He went to the post a little bit more. So, I mean, he that, that, that goes to our point, right, where there wasn't much – many other options outside of him. Like if that's how they needed to get their points. And I think if, if you're Creighton, you take that. Yeah. how do you feel about uh, Ryan Nemhard? Cause I think like one of the other aspects of playing Villanova is like, especially with Creighton, right. Cause it is a contrast in styles. It's like, who's, who's PG one can dictate the terms of engagement. How did you feel Nemhard did in, in that regard in terms of like, getting the ball moving in the quarter court and creating that pace that, you know, just wears out a defense throughout the course of 40 minutes, but also, you know, being really opportunistic in transition when they did give numbers, you know, you know, when they were Creighton was able to clean up the defensive glass and, you know, find the outlet and run. Like, how do you feel like Nemhart did operating that, you know, that high tempo offense that is kind of contradictory to what Villanova likes to do? Yeah, I, I really like him a lot. I think he played a, re- a really, really smart game. Um, being a point guard, I can only imagine the added, you know, responsibility that you have, um, and, you know, in a game, like I said, of this magnitude and for him to come in as a true freshman and, you know, not look nervous out there to to get the offense going, to not take crazy shots and, and, and you know, kind of get carried away. Uh, that, and it, you know, first and foremost is – probably more impressive than anything he did statistically out there. Mm. Just having just having someone out there that Coach McDermott could trust to run the offense, to get everything organized, to not get too sped up, you know what I mean, not get too carried away. Um, but I thought he did a, a great job dictating the pace. He was very opportunistic. Um, he pushed in transition a little bit, and then in half court, I don't think that he held on to the ball too much. Uh, if he didn't have something there, he got off of it. And I think he's a really good shooter, uh, especially for a freshman. He knocked down some big ones. Uh, yeah, I think the only guy we haven't talked – it's funny because I'm just looking at this. I don't always love plus minus. I think it tells lies sometimes. But mm-hmm. when you look at Hawkins, Kalkmaner, Nemhard, then uh, Trey Alexander, those are four guys we talked about now. And then add in Roddy Andronikashvili. Those guys were all plus 20-ish tonight, like in that plus 20 to 25 range. That that five. It's a lot of players. That was yeah. That but that was a, they played together quite a bit, and that's a pretty that was a pretty potent five. I didn't know they were that dominant. I mean, I felt like they were Creighton's best options tonight, but to see that them all like in the twenties in the plus minus is pretty impressive. Like, and I guess since Roddy's the only guy we haven't talked about or isolated tonight, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on him because. You know, he can relate to him in some manner because he's coming back from that ACL that he suffered last fall, I believe, right before, um, right as they were getting preseason camp underway, basically. 
Um, so you understand what it takes to recover from that and how being back, like physically cleared to be, you know, in practices and in games doesn't necessarily mean you're back to yourself pre-injury. Right. It, right? Just means you're, it just means you're healthy. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know how much you've been able to see of him this year, but, you know, with this performance tonight and, uh, you know, just what he's able to been put together so far through these first, what is it, 12 games? Yeah. Through these first 12 games, like, how does he look to you in terms of a guy coming off of that? Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what he looked like before. Yeah, we, no one really does. I know. So he, I, I yeah. don't know if he, like, lost athleticism or, or explosiveness, so I'm not really sure, but – I think he looks good. He's a freshman. And in a way, this is going to sound a little bit probably weird, but he reminds me of Devin Brooks a little bit. Okay. Um, not necessarily in the play style, but kind of in the way where you kind of just have to let him play his game. And, mm. and you know, Dev was super talented, super gifted with the ball in his hands. And sometimes he'd make the wrong decision and he'd kind of get carried away. Um, but you don't want to make them have to think too much. And that's 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 what it I takes get away, watching. It takes away some of their their special stuff, right? Exactly, and that's yeah. that's kind of what I gather from watching him play. Um, I, I can see Coach McDermott yelling at him sometimes as he as they come to the huddle or whatever it is on the sideline. But kind of just have to, you know, somewhat accept that for who he is, and you know, hopefully as he grows older, he'll cut back on some of those things. But um, you don't want to bottle up that much talent, and he seems like he has a lot of talent. And I, I think he's in a good spot. He doesn't have to play 25, 30 minutes a night. You know, he can get in there for what he played tonight. He played yeah, he 20 just, tonight, half mm-hmm, the game. Mm-hmm. Get in there for 15, 20 and, and make a difference where he can. And I think you kind of just let him go and, and see what happens. Yeah. And he hit two big threes, one in the first half and then yep. one deep one in the second from like, yeah. Yeah. yeah logo. In this shot clock, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Gave Creighton a 14 point lead pretty much. Either that shot or uh, Trey's little like up and under, <laughs> up and under layup that he definitely made a little bit more difficult than it needed to be, but he got it to go. Either that one, either one of those were the were the dagger for sure because that one the game was on ice after that. So yeah, he I mean he, he and Trey off the bench were huge. Like they that like you know what I mean I thought the. If you want to argue that Villanova's uh, – I mean, Villanova's starters didn't play well either, but if you want to argue that there was some kind of a, a wash there in terms of production from Villanova's starting lineup to Creighton's starting lineup, right? Mm-hmm. The difference, like, you know, Trey and Roddy score 18 points off the bench um, yep. themselves. Uh, Villanova had six. Like, that's 12 of your – that's 12 – that's a difference of 12 yeah. right there in your 20-point margin, you know what I mean? And all six were just from one player. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, should we jump into questions? See what people got for us? Let's do it. Um, let's uh, see what we got from people tonight. Does it feel like a Friday night to you? It feels weird to me. It doesn't feel like a Friday. They all feel the same to me, low-key. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Our first question comes to us from um, Danny Sullivan. 
Oh, he wants Danny to Sullivan. You know Danny Sullivan? Nope, but oh, okay. I act like I do. Okay, cool. <laughs> was it a was it a bit of a new wrinkle to be running Kalkbrenner on that curl from the elbow, aka the Doug curl? I love seeing them find a new way to get him the ball heading to the rim. Do they mean? Do you mean Hawkins? I think he. Uh, are they talking about Kalkbrenner's dunk at the end? Yeah, I don't know. I think I remember him getting you know, curl. you know what they're talking about? I don't think I remember what they're talking about. I, I don't so. think I remember Kaufman coming off a curl. Like towards the, I don't, I don't know if it was a curl or a cut, but he definitely, from like the free throw line area. Oh, is it the one where Roddy hit room. him slipping? Maybe? Yeah, he slipped him. Oh, okay, that yeah, 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 yeah. okay, that's tough. I, that, I think that's what my guy Danny is talking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, is it a new wrinkle? I, I mean, no, it's kind of like a staple of Creighton's offense. Like they run it with Bishop, they ran it with Patton, they ran it with, I mean, any kind of five that can move their feet pretty well. They've had right. They ran it with. They ran it with with Zach Hansen too. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's kind of like a staple, isn't it? Right. It's not. It's, it's not. It, it. It's probably just something they, you know, drew up in the at in, in the timeout and brought out on ATL towards the end of the game or something. But I don't think it would be something new that they hadn't done before. What's uh, the uh, what? I mean, I guess what's the schematic to it? Like, it's just. The five is coming out there like he's going to screen the ball handler's defender, right? And then he just kind of like slip. Yeah. Yeah. Just slips last. And the, and the defending five isn't used to really, you know, coming out that way unless he's guarding the pick and roll. So he probably thinks that might be coming. He might overextend and jump a little high. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I'm sure that the backside is cleared from the corner and you can just slip to the rim. No, I, I, I opted, you know, I, I wanted Coach McDermott to draw up those plays for me. But I was never gonna get up and dunk it, so it wouldn't really work out. You could, you you weren't gonna, not even like that. You were open sometimes, open the rim, just a little. Slow. Before the knee surgery, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. I don't know if I had the confidence after. <laughs> Maybe senior night, where you know it's like there's not many games left. I'll just Jesus flowing. Just try it real quick. <laughs> Might as well, yeah. Even beat St. John's anyway. Were so. you a were you a two foot jumper or a one foot jumper back in? No, the- no, 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 no. Back in the good old days, I was I was a one foot. One, one foot, foot okay, for sure. Yeah. So you were you were yamming on people then with one one foot jump. Fast break, like if I get in the passing lane off a fast yeah. break and you know get a dunk like that, or if I'm coming down full speed, but like the dump offs where I'm just standing under the rim, yeah, and wop or someone would just drive it and just pitch it to me. I'm I'm not getting up there at all. <laughs> I, I had I had to have some momentum. That's hey, you play with Justin Patton, he can get above the rim. Marcus Foster, you can let those guys do the jump. Kyrie, yeah, yeah I left it, left it to those guys. Yeah, Toby got it. Toby got a couple too. And Maurice used to get Maurice got pretty high for a little guy too. Like he would get all the <laughs> way up to the rim too. I don't think he ever went for a dunk, but he got to the. He would go to the rim to finish. Like so, yeah. He, he go. Dunk. He goes to the rim like Nemhart. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, this person doesn't have a name, so we'll just say CMB. That's their handle. Is uh is surgery and a medical redshirt being considered at this point for Reef, or is the hope uh that he will be back and healthy by the second half of conference play at the latest? Yeah, uh the update on Reef is uh, I think he's gonna be reevaluated. When did Max say it? Maybe after Christmas? Did he say after Christmas? I don't know. I apologize, I forgot. He said he's gonna be reevaluated soon. So I don't think there's any decision been made yet about um surgery or just like a shutdown or something like that. I think he's missed. Right. I think this is his third straight game that he's missed. And I think he's sixth overall. Um, he's played six total. Yeah. Games, okay. So. Yeah. So he has missed half. Um, and it's not like, it's not like it's ever been 
good to go. Like he's just tough as shit. So like when mm-hmm. in the games where he's played, he's still been hurting pretty bad. He just like he just he, you know, he, he grinds hasn't, and, been, grinds he hasn't been himself this through. year. He's he's playing through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yep. so give him credit for what he's done so far and um, certainly hope that this thing gets behind him because it's – I mean, Cole knows it's not easy going through an injury, right? Like, especially when, you know, basketball is such a big part of your life. You just – you that, and that's the one thing that's kind of being taken away. So, like, that's – it's rough on those guys, man. So, like, people be praying for Reef and hope that that injury – um subside soon if not completely at least to the point where he can get out there and do his thing and mm-hmm. you know because that's that's where that's what he needs to be doing that's what he loves to do so keep him in your prayers and hopefully it'll it'll get better soon but yeah for now in terms of the the plan with him is just uh it's kind of like they're just managing it they're kind of waiting and see they're, they're keeping him um you know, in treatments and whatnot, and they're going to reevaluate his status, I think, pretty soon here, if not after Christmas. So we'll see. My guy, Ben McNair, will we'll get him right. That's right. You don't even know about the Jeremy Anderson situation either, do you? No. Yeah, you would have loved Jeremy Anderson. He's good. He's good people. Oh, every player, like, swears by him, dude. It's like he, I mean. When did he come on? When did they bring him on? The year they won the Big East title. First, that was his first year. So what was that? 2019, it brought him in right before they went to Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nah, I don't know who he is, but yeah, all the all the dudes who played on that team, Skur, everybody, they like they they swear by Jeremy Anderson, okay. life change, life changer. Shout out to him. Yeah. Um, Birds by Design wants to know: uh, Could we see Trey play a larger role later in the season? So, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean. The thing with the young team, right, is performances performances fluctuate, right? That's what you kind of expect out of young players. But um, if you're just like, if you're trying to um, use this as a as a like a building block for a Trey Alexander type of player, one who's not in the starting lineup but has a chance to fill a larger role, uh, what do these thirty minutes tonight do for um, creating a springboard for him that might lend him to a larger role going forward? Well, this is the best competition, at least on paper, that they played all year. This is yeah. the biggest game that they played all year, and he fit right in. So from a coaching standpoint, I think if you're Coach McDermott, you found a little bit more trust in him that he can go out um, in these type of environments and these games and and be competitive, um, be comfortable on both sides of the ball. Obviously, like 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 you said, he's a freshman. He's a young player it's not always going to go extremely well and as well as it did tonight. Um, But I think, I mean, he's part of a great recruiting class for a reason. Yeah. Um, Clearly has a bunch of potential. So yeah, of of course, like he, he could play a lot more this season as it, as it goes on and he gets more games under his belt. Uh, That's not to say that he certainly will, because you could say the same thing about, um, a few other guys on the team that that might be making a bid for some more minutes as they start to play and progress later throughout the season too. So you kind of just let the game and the and the flow of the season dictate how that's going to go. There's yeah, there's nothing necessarily going to be set in stone of who's going to play X amount of minutes. You just take it take it game by game, day by day, and you go with that. But um, yeah, I certainly think that there's a way for him to to see the court more. 
And I think and the and the reef thing changes the dynamic too because that's like him not being available mm-hmm. allows Roddy and Trey to have more minutes for them to grab and play, right? Like that's yeah. that's kind of the blessing and the curse of of having one guy injured, other guys have opportunities to step up. Tonight, Sharif wasn't available, so you know, Trey and Roddy were able to, you know, get their numbers called and then play pretty well under those circumstances. So that, that dynamic changes with Sharif's availability, you know what I mean? Because, you know, everything that they did tonight, he does plus three years experience, right? Like, right. so, you know, um, we'll see. It's kind of been the, it's been the, it's been a free flowing situation because of Reef being in and out of the lineup and him not being healthy. So <clears throat> there's the opportunity there for a larger role for sure. But it's like Cole said, it's going to be one of those things where, the the season and the daily situation is going to dictate that more than just like this performance means Trey needs to play this many minutes every game going forward. It's not necessarily how that plays out. Um, Jacob snuck this one in. We've been arguing about this all season, so I'm kind of mad he snuck this one in, but (laughs) Cole's here to Cole's. I'll let Cole take it on first since, uh, all right. Since uh, we've been, he and I have been arguing about it all season. So um, he's like, Creighton struggled with uh, Fizel at the five. And it feels like that's been the case more often than not recently. Um, this is kind of a long question. So bear with me here. Kaluma only played 15 minutes tonight. So 50 minutes for the backup guards who played well. Um, would you like to see a small ball hawk slash art front court more? So I'm assuming that's like, um, Hawkins at the four or five and art at the four. Um, in other words, do you, do you think that they can and should become a viable alternative that can and should become a viable alternative for CU heading into Biggie's play for when things aren't clicking with Kalkbrenner on the bench could be a way to get Kaluma and the freshman guards more PT without taking Hawk off the floor. So that all kind of makes sense. I'm assuming he's he's all for this. If that like the way he he yeah, it's more of a it's more of an there's more of an anti Keyshawn Fizel slant there to it. But yeah, it's more of like a can we see more small? I didn't think I didn't think Fizel was was that bad today. I mean, dude, defense fell off. I mean, the first half he's just a huge drop off from Cogburner, but like he was fine on offense. Yeah, he had two, he had two lefty. Back, who cares? He had two lefty hooks inside and hadn't dropped off a nice dime. The hoodie hit on a backdoor. Uh, uh, was Alex, it Trey? Was it Alex? Okay, for a yeah. reverse layup. For a reverse layup. layup, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a crazy good play for a five to make, don't you think? So yeah, I, I, like I thought he was fine tonight. Hey, yeah, he, he got he got eaten up on some switches in the second half where Gillespie and Moore got to the rim on him. But that's like, you know what I mean? There's only one I mean, Ryan Cockburner for a take reason. It, take it from me. If you're gonna give up points, if you get them back, it's all good. I mean, it is. Coach, I think he that, gave up as much as he got tonight. I think if he you're, was in that if, you're in that, if you're a neutral out there, then whatever it is, what it is. He only played what eight minutes, seven minutes. Yeah, he was at yeah, eight forty-one. So. Um, but to get back to the question, kind of, kind of like the question that we just answered in terms of Trey's playing time, it's kind of just all dependent on the situation, like. If you're playing against a team that you can afford to go small with, you know, that's not going to eat you up with two bigs or overpower you on the, on the offensive glass if you go small. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you're flowing on offense 
and you don't necessarily need another big in there to clean up offensive rebounds. And um, it, it's just very, it dictates, you know, the game dictates what lineups I think should be on the court. But um, at the same time, I'm, I'm not opposed to experimentation. That doesn't mean that it's going to work or it's not going to work, but you know, as long as I can remember, there's there's been some small ball experimentation with the four or fives at Creighton. Like, For sure. Um, I wasn't the biggest guy in the world. I played the four. Um, Ronnie Harrell would play four from time to time. Um, going back even farther than that, like Ricky Kreklo would play the four. Yep. Um, even, even I mean, 2019 20, they had guys. DJ and DJ at the four and Denzel at the five. Like, they played. Exactly. And, and, and Doug and Ethan aren't the the two tallest guys in the world either they're both like six seven six eight but i mean different dynamic when you can shoot it like that mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it's out of mcdermott's wheelhouse to do that and we probably could see it at some point um depending on the flow of the game what the numbers are looking like and whatnot um i don't know if i would advocate for it but uh i think that you can experiment with anything and you know, you take the results and you, whatever the data is, you you kind of go forward with it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, doesn't. And you kind of push forward. So uh, I don't know. That's the answer that Jacob wants or if you want. It's, it's kind <laughs> well, of like a. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, I, I know. Yeah, I wasn't hoping you would land on my side necessarily. I just don't. I'm, you know, I think there's there's an op- there's going to be an opportunity to put that smaller lineup on the floor together and see what it's you know, maybe see if it can change a game here coming up, but you know, cause there's, it's just, it's just the way that it's when you, you have to evaluate their skill sets, right? Because if you're going to put a small lineup on the floor specifically, it has to take, or it has to like take more than it gives, right? Like in a big way, because otherwise, what are you really putting it out there for? And I think mm-hmm. what you saw with like, I think this has been kind of a little bit of a, of an obsession since, um, you know, these last couple of years when they've had to deal with just not having a whole lot of size on the roster and be in, in general, like how do we maximize without it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in, in 2020, when they won the regular season title, they were, you know, they, they, they were able to play that five guard lineup pretty much because they were an elite shooting group, one through five. They had a ton of experience as well. They had a ton of experience, and they're all really, really good defenders. Like, you know, except for maybe, you know, you could argue that Mitch is maybe the only guy who can't, like, sit down and lock up somebody one-on-one. But, like, you know, Marcus was a good defender. Ty was a good defender. DJ, Denz, they were all really good defenders. Like, so you you – you liked what you were getting offensively more than you were giving up defensively. And I think when you look at Kaluma and Hawkins in terms of can they slot into that, you know, that four or five spot and play a allow Creighton to play smaller. Um, and you see it because like you think, you know, Hawk and Kaluma are really good rebounders. So you feel like you'll be competitive still on the glass with them at those positions. Um the one thing that I guess would be a little bit curious would be like, can they defend the post very well? Like it wouldn't be necessarily a problem if you're facing a perimeter oriented team um, with those guys crashing the glass. But what if you're facing like a, a Xavier who, you know, has like 
two of their best players are post players in Nunji and Fremantle, and they can both not only um, beat you up inside with the low post game, but they can also step out and score like from three point line. So that creates a matchup problem, right? Because you can't, they have versatile bigs and they can play too big lineup and that could eat you up pretty good more than you're getting offensively with art and Hawk who aren't necessarily non-traditional bigs, right? Like they're, they still are, you know, they still belong at the four, right? Like both of them. I mean, art's kind of playing out of, or um, yeah, art's kind of playing out of position a little bit. To he, some starts degree, the, right? he starts at the three, right? Yeah. And he's, you know, that's just because he's um, Mac didn't want to throw two different positions at him to try to, he thought his head would be spinning too much as a freshman right. to, you know, make any type of impact, but both of them need to be split, you know, be on the floor for a large stretches of time anyway. So make Hawk play the four, let art play the three and let them play together. So I don't know, you know, you introduce that dynamic too, because an art has to learn a new position and um, you know, it changes things a little bit. And you also, honestly, I don't think you want Cockburner off the floor all that much anyway, because he is such a game changer defensively. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all about like what you said, like, you know, if you can, if, if, it just depends on what you want out of your five, right? Like we, you know, for a fact already with this sample of games so far that Ryan Kalkbender changes games in Creighton's favor in a big way. Right. Like that's yep. yeah. So in a backup five, what are you looking for? And it, it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier, right? Like if, if Keyshawn Fizel is going to, you know, basically uh you know break even where he's getting as much in positive plays as he is in negative plays or in plays where a a Villanova you know attacks him and capitalizes like they did the night when they when they got switched onto him and they attacked him downhill and got to the rim and scored which is really the only time they did that um you still have Kalkbenner's plus 24 in 30 minutes right so what was Keyshawn in eight minutes? It was minus eight. So that's still a that's still I mean that's still a positive sixteen, right? Like you're still you're still mm-hmm. above water, like pretty pretty high above water, aren't you? So is it not necessarily always trying to figure out ways like, yeah, you don't like Keyshawn's plus minus right now, and Villanova was able to take advantage of that, but it didn't kill Creighton. And I don't I don't know, I don't know how many minutes you can. Play. I mean, you want to you want to get your guys some rest too, especially someone that impactful um, to the game. You don't want him to be out there exhausted. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're going to have to go to your bench as well, and you're going to have to have a backup five. And you know, it, if it's working with with uh, with Hawkins, you, you kind of stick to it and, and see what's going on. But you don't want to overextend him either because yeah, he's already playing 34 minutes who, right because yeah, who's, exactly. who's yeah. his backup you know what i mean at the four yeah. position right um i mean if if kaluma could do it and, and be effective sliding over to the four um that would be impressive for a freshman i've noticed that he kind of gets in foul trouble a little bit as well so i don't mm-hmm. know um you know rotating those different positions especially on the defensive end um, you're a lot more involved in actions as a four, uh, having to guard a lot more pick and rolls than you do as a three where, yeah. you know, you're kind of in the corners and, you know, more perimeter oriented, but 
you have a lot more Plus stuff in, on your plate. And in creating system, you're also setting more screens than you normally would either too, right? So that's right. another dynamic to it as well. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm When you have someone as game-changing defensively as Cogbrenner, I, I don't know if I want to take him off, off the court more than I need to. You know what I mean? Um what so do you, you feel? What do you, what do you what do you feel like is a sweet spot for a guy like that? Where it's like, what, where where should his workload be in your opinion? Um, that you I'm feel like it, there. yeah, Kalkbender. Where it's, I mean, even Hawkins too. If you want to throw him in there too, like, what do you like? You feel like the three Ryan's, Nemhard, Kalkbender, and Kaluma are guys that absolutely have to play mm-hmm. X number of minutes. Like, what's a healthy number for them where they're not? being worn down, but they're still getting the maximum impact that they have with their, with their rotations. I had to put a number on it. I would say you, you want Hawkins to play more minutes than anyone else. Um, He's the fifth or six, six year senior. Um, I think it's five. It might be be fifth year senior, whatever he is. He's, he's, he's the veteran out there on the court, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, he seems like a really high IQ player on both sides of the ball. You you need someone with that type of experience out there. And he's also good on both sides of the ball. So you mm-hmm. want him out there probably more than anyone. So I would 30, 31, 32, something like that. Okay. Uh, buy him a little bit. Of, so it is rest. it is north of 30 then. That's a healthy number then? I think so. Um, yeah. Unless he's... He, I don't know unless he starts being injured or something like that. Yeah, right? for sure. Unless he's yeah, show, yeah showing signs of this is a down. forty minute game and you have four stoppages per half, right? So like, not to mention other timeouts and whatnot. Like so, yeah, thirty is not too much, right? I don't think it's too much. Okay, I would love to play thirty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you want to keep complaints? <laughs> you want to keep him? You want to yeah. keep him around there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think the, the next most important guy is the guy who, who changes the defense, who makes life, you know, for lack of better terms, like a living hell for other teams to mm-hmm. score in the paint. Mm-hmm. Like Villanova, BYU, you, you name it, you go down the list. They just have a world of trouble trying to finish over the top. Even when he's not in the paint, when he's guarding wings and guards, they're having trouble shooting over him. Like he changes so much, mm-hmm. uh, not only defensively, but just to have him – really clean up on offense like this isn't the the dynamic floor spacing three-point shooting high powered offensive creating teams that we're used to right so when you're struggling to score points sometimes sometimes your best offense is throwing a shot up there and and big ryan grabbing two three offensive rebounds and giving you points that way getting fouls on the other team just kind of physically imposing his will there as well so if you can i, I don't know what he seems like he's in in, in good enough shape but if you can get him to like 25 minutes uh it feels like yeah it feels like two it feels like even too low doesn't it right yeah what's 20 what's out what are you talking about because like if you're at 25 minutes what's your what are your rotations looking like you know i don't yeah who who, who's soaking up those other 15 center minutes and plus and and plus what's your what do your stints look like for ryan or for kalkman if he's only at 25 or if you're or if you're trying to cap him at like under 30 right like if you're, if you're worried about workload like yeah i feel like i just feel like with the game with the way the college game is set up with you know 40 minutes and all the stoppages and whatnot like i think your best players have to be at 70 percent or higher of that you know 
mm-hmm. in that 75% range. Like, yeah. Cause what are you saving them for? Exactly. In, four, in, the, in a 40 minute game. Yeah. Especially, know? especially if like there, the, there's the concern of what you're giving up when you put the uh, reserve five in, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you have to, you know, if you're, if you're, if your options when Carpenter's off the floor are, um, you know, play your four man at the five. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking yeah. like at that point? You're, you're almost like cutting off your nose to spite your face at that point. Just like put Carpenter back in the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like, and, and that was what they did. Like, you know, Villanova got within two and they were able to get to the rim on Creighton's defense when the lineups, when Fizel was in at the five. Um, I, I, you know, I would even argue that like, and I have to go back and watch these possessions to make sure that that's how it went down. But I felt like Creighton kept switching when Fizel was in the game. And I'm, maybe that's something you go away from then. Like if you're confident that you can switch most of everything that happens when Cockburn is on the floor, because he can move his feet really well and play intelligently and stay in front of guards. Maybe don't, maybe just don't do that with Fizel. Maybe yeah. play a possession or two of zone. You know, that's, you're knocking 30 seconds of pop off the possessions right there when you do that. Right. So play a possession or two of zone just to mix in a look. Um, don't switch at the five, like, you know, make your guards either go to the gymmers, make him come out there and hard hedge that. Cause he can move his feet pretty well when he's in front of the ball. Like, you know, he can trap that thing with a guard there, mm-hmm. just guard it a little bit differently, you know, but I felt like they switched. And then Villanova, with the way they spread the floor in general, just like it was just kind of an open lane to drive on a backup five when he can't affect the shot the way Kalkbender can, right? right. So it's like that's kind it's of an intimidation factor too. A little bit. You know, I mean, intimidation factor too because I, I don't know if there were – it seemed like when 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 Kalkbender was out of the game, um, you know, if Fizel was switching on the ball screens or, or whatever, but even early in the clock, like semi-transition, Villanova just their guards had a more willingness to just go because mm-hmm. there there's nobody in the point paint that's going to block their shot. So even just that intimidation factor, like they weren't doing that early in the clock when Cockburner was in the game, they weren't going to just drive out of control and try to bully their way there early in the clock because it wasn't leading to anything. But now. You know, you get the ball off, off the off the outlet, and you don't see anyone down there. Now you just have even more willingness to go, mm-hmm. um, even if it's like the same defense of, of pressure and same defensive schematics that are being uh, applied when Cogburn was there. It's just he's no longer there, so I might make the shot now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally different. Yeah, it's just a different dynamic. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, and Villanova is smart enough to identify that right away, aren't they? Like. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cockburner is going to get a rest. All right. Well, it's time for us to like, you know, get downhill. See if we you can saw, get the free throw yeah. line. Like, yeah, you saw it immediately. They went to as soon as Cockburner left the game, they went to Dixon in the post on yeah. Fizel, like mm-hmm. two, three possessions in a row. That I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to be a point of emphasis on most teams' game plan when Cockburner goes to the bench. Like, mm-hmm. okay, they don't have much size down there. That's a game-changing defensive big that's no longer there. We can do some things differently now. Attack. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. We'll we'll, uh, see, we'll see that a lot more in these games. For sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Um hey man, I appreciate your time. Um I know we're on different clocks with you being on the West Coast, but I appreciate you uh It's already Saturday where you're at. That's right it is. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I appreciate I always always enjoy talking hoops with you and I appreciate your uh your insight and um just being generous with your time and hopping on here. Oh, of uh, course, man. Appreciate hopefully you. Hopefully not the last on. time for sure. No, I'm going to have to 
I'm gonna have to get on another. Uh, I don't know what this. What is this? The post game pod. Yeah, this is just the post game. This just goes up right away after each game. So yeah, and then we'll definitely have you on Scurry in the Scrub because we do a big each week, uh, like kind of a recap every Sunday. So okay, yeah, we got to get you in on that for sure. Yeah, just hit me, man. I'll, I I love to come back on. Appreciate you having me. Maybe no um maybe next time I come on, probably on Scurry in the Scrub, I can throw some questions at you about your. Uh, Chicago Bulls. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Okay. And yeah. uh, see if you if you're believing in Zach Levine any more than you used to. So absolutely, I'm down for that. Um, yeah. So everybody would appreciate your questions. Thank you for chiming in. Um, yeah, it was a great chat. Great, uh, great insight from Cole and great questions from you guys. Always appreciate our listeners tuning in for this thing. Um, your support means everything. So thank you, and I hope. I mean, I hope there's games to talk about in the next few days, but with the way COVID's going right now, every day is kind of like up in the air. So um, savor this one tonight, enjoy it for a few days, and then we'll talk to you again after DePaul if there is a game to be played against DePaul. If not, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, um, and we'll talk to you soon one way or the other.